There's a medrash, <coughs> medrash that's brought in by the Bali Taisvis in Shemais Chaf Dalad, Pasuk Yud. And it says basically that we know that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah to Klai Yisrael, Klai Yisrael were able to see the Kisei HaKavad. They were able to see His heavenly throne. And the Pasuk describes that there was Tachas Raglov under His feet, under HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kaviyachal's feet was Kemaisa Livnas HaSapir. There was a sapphire brick. Sapphire brick. Chazal tell us that this sapphire brick was something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu kept under his feet from the time that Klai Yisrael were engaged in the Shibut of Mitzrayim. When Klai Yisrael were tasked to make bricks for the Egyptian taskmasters, and they had such a terrible, bitter life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to constantly remember them. That I am with you in any time that you're in any pain. And so what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did was, he took one of these bricks and he kept it under his feet. And whenever he wanted to commiserate sympathize, empathize with the plight of Kal Yisrael, he would look at that brick. That's a medrash that we know. That's a medrash that Rashi brings and Chazal bring. But what the Balitaisis add to this medrash is that during the Chorban Beis HaMikdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took that brick and he threw it down he didn't want it anymore. The Pasuk says, Hishlich Mishamayim Eretz. The first Pasuk in Parak Bays of Eich that we just read, HaKadosh Baruch Hu threw down from heaven to earth Tiferes Yisrael, the glory of Klal Yisrael. He forgot. He, he chose not to remember his footstool on the day of his wrath. And Chazal tell us this medrash that the Balitaisus brings says that the Pasuk is alluding to the fact that he took this very brick and he threw it down to earth. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to see it anymore. He was so angry with us that he took this Livnas Sapir. He took this brick that he was able to commiserate with us always and he was always able to be one with us to proclaim and to declare the greatest Unity that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has in the world is with Klai Yisrael and all of their plight. He's always suffering when we're suffering. But somehow during the Churban Beis HaMikdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu took that very symbol of commiseration with Klai Yisrael and he threw it down. Hishlich mishamayim eretz hadayim raglov How are we supposed to understand this medrash? What does this medrash mean? How do, we, how do we take a lesson from this to this day of Tisha B'av that we are that we are in right now? 
So I want to share with you a Meridika Yisai that I saw B'Shem Reb Shmuel Birnbaum. Reb Shmuel Birnbaum, Zechitzadik Levracha, was the Rashiva on the Mir in Brooklyn. He was a Talmud of the Mir in Europe. He fled the Nazis to Shanghai and he was one of the lions in the Chabura in the Mir. And of course he came to America after the war and he became the Rosh Hashiva eventually of the Citadel of Tyra in Brooklyn, the Mir Yeshiva. We know that Shmuel Birnbaum was Kulei Tyra. He, he sat in the base medrash morning, noon, and night. He, didn't, he wasn't Mavatal Tyra. Everything with him was just Tyra, Tyra, Tyra. And Shmuel Birnbaum said an amazing pshat. Not so much to answer this medrash, hopefully we'll apply it, but he says an amazing pshat in this Maisa Livna Sasapir. He asks, why is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu only showed us this brick, this sapphire, when we were experiencing Matan Taira? By Matan Taira, then Klai Yisrael looked up and they saw under his feet, and they understood, It's a funny time to show the brick. Wouldn't it have been much better to show us the brick during the actual Sheba to Mitzrayim? when we were suffering, when we were engaged in Avaidas Parach for Redu Shanim for 210 long, arduous, torturous years, we would have liked then to have gotten a message from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that He's with us, that when we cry, He's listening, and that He has a, a cheshpin, and that He loves us, and that He cares for us, and He didn't forget about us. That's when we needed to know, Why is He showing us this brick? Later on, after Yitzhak Mitzrayim, by Maimon Har Sinai, why is then he showing us the brick? L'chaira, then things were good. We were out of Egypt already. He didn't need the brick anymore. What does he need to look at a brick for when we're already out of Egypt? We're going to be Makabal the Taira. We're about to have Maimon Har Sinai. We're the Amanifchar. Things are looking up for us. Very, very important question. But the answer is far more important. He says an amazing aside that's so important for us to always bear in mind. A lot of times in life, we commiserate with people when things are bad. When a person loses a job, we feel bad for them and we maybe give them a hug and we speak to them nicely and we, uh, and we try to give them chizuk. When a person, uh, let's say, breaks a shidduch, very difficult time a person goes through, so we commiserate with them, we hug them, we, we talk to them, we take a walk with them, we buy them a present, we do something nice for them. When a person loses a loved one and they go through shiva and they go through shleshim, they go through avelos and... Uh, we, we commiserate, we're there for them. That we're very good at, hopefully. But when a person then, after that, finds a job, when a person there finds a new shidduch, when it's after the year of Avelos or after the Shiva or after the Shleshim, we feel that, okay, listen. Baruch Hashem, you know, it's over. Guy has a job now. He's engaged again. He's married. 
he had this sorrow, he got sick, but now he's better. And so we think that he's okay now. We no longer commiserate with him. We're on to other things. We're already moving on to the next, our next project. And we don't feel that that person anymore deserves our sympathy, deserves us looking at him in a sympathetic way and commiserating with his plight. Dr. Shmuel Birnbaum, that that could not be further from the truth. In psychology, I don't know if he used this word himself, but there's a concept called scarring. That a person, even after they go through a terrible experience in life, they're scarred. They still have telltale signs of the grief that they went through. Just because they might seem to be out of the woods, they're not out of the woods. They still remember how difficult it was for them, the embarrassment, the humiliation of not having a job, having to maybe borrow money from other people, being in that terrible, desperate plight. They lost somebody that they loved or they... uh, or, or they, they suffered a tragedy of another sort, or they had some tor- torment that happened to them, or maybe some abuse as a child, they're scarred for life. It never really goes away. And you have to constantly commiserate with a person long after the official tsara is over. You still have to always remember that I have to be extra nice to that person because they went through a lot in their past. You can never stop caring and being concerned about anybody because we're not, we're not made of plastic. We're not people that just like, okay, everything is good now and let's go back to life. That's not the way life works. Even after the terrible ordeal is over, it's never really over. There's always scarring that remains, and we always have to be sensitive to other people for what they have gone through forever. So Shmuel Baramam says so beautifully that HaKadosh Baruch Hu kept that Livnas HaSapir with him, even after Yitzhak Mitzrayim. He didn't assume for a second that just because Kla Yisrael has now officially left Egypt, all of those scars of the years of Sheba, the abuse and the torment, the slavery, the, the unspoke, unspeakable ridicule and abuse that we went through, that we endured. Oh, now we left Egypt. Everything is fine. We're good now. HaKadosh Baruch Hu kept the Livnas HaSaper with him under his feet beyond Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It started, he put it there by Yitzhak Mitzrayim, but it never left him. It never left him. And during Maimon Harsina, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows Klal Yisrael that, look, I still have the Livnas HaSapr, the brick of Egypt. I still have it by me. I know that you're not fully recuperated yet. I understand that. I'm still with you. I still care about you. I still grieve for you. I'm still treating you with kid gloves. I still love you. I'm still worried about you. I know that it doesn't go away so easily, grief. I know that pain and torment stays with you perhaps forever. And I'm with you forever. Ima is not just when the tzara is officially taking place, but long after. I'm always with you. I always remember you. I always feel for you.
even in good times, even when the, the bad times seem to be over, I know that you might now be remarried and you might be now with a new job and you might be now with a new light, it's, but it's never over. You're always living with that grief. That's the aside that Shrib Shmuel Birnbaum taught us. And based on that, I think maybe we can understand the measures of the Balitaisis add that suddenly by the Churban Beis HaMikdash HaKadosh Baruch Hu took that all-important brick and he threw it down to the earth. Because what happened during the times of the Churban Beis HaMikdash is that we had Sinas Chinam. What does that mean, sinas chinam? What does that mean, hatred for nothing? How do you hate somebody for nothing? There's always a reason to hate somebody, right? We don't need many reasons to hate. There's so many reasons. They're different from me. They're not on my wavelength. They're not, uh, they're not cool. They're not, uh, they're not fun. They're not, uh, they're not wealthy. They're not poor. They're not, they're, whatever it is, there's so many different things that I could make have daylum between me and somebody else. Never a chinam. The problem is that we see other people, we're so quick to judge them. And we see that they're not like me. I think I'm normal, and I see that person is not normal. That person is a little strange. person doesn't act in a normal way. The person doesn't dress the right way. He doesn't look the right way. He has uh, squinty eyes. He's, he, he, he's a little fidgety. He's not 100%. And so we immediately say that he's not for me. He didn't do anything to me. He's just different than me. And so because he's different than me, there's something that I don't like about him. He's not like me. Why can't he be more like me? Why can't he be normal? What's up with him? Seems to be okay. He's doing well on tests. He's doing well, uh, you know, in school. He's, uh, why is he not like, why, why can't he be more like me? That's why we don't befriend people, because they're different than us. They look different than us. They're acting different than us. We don't understand what they went through. We never fully understand, we'll never understand what even people that are close to us went through. But certainly people that are distant from us, and we look at them and we size them up and we judge them, we have no idea what they went through and what they're continuing to go through. And even if now things have turned around and they think, you think that everything is okay by them because they have a great job or they have a, they're married or they have, whatever it is, we don't understand this concept of scarring. We don't understand that people have so many issues that plague them and we all, every single one of us has something that plagues us. And just like we have things that nobody knows about, everybody has things that nobody knows about. And when we have compassion on somebody else, and when we befriend somebody else, when we love somebody else with an avas chinam, that means that we understand this yisai, that they're different than me, but I, I want to try to understand why. I want to try to help them. I want to try to, to commiserate with them. What do you mean? But they're, they're doing so well. Be, doing so well when? Doing so well today, does that mean that they're, that they're perfect? 
that they went to the mikvah and now they're perfectly clean from all damage, psychological and otherwise. And when Klal Yisrael during the Chorban had sinas chinam, and they spoke Lashon Hara against other people, and they hated people, and, they, and they, they laced into people behind their backs, or even to their faces, what they were basically saying is that I'm not interested in understanding the depths of your tzara. I see you today as you are, you seem okay, but I'm not interested. That's what sinas chinam is. Sinas chinam means that you don't bother to take the next step to try to understand where it's coming from, where the differences are coming from. Why is that person acting the way they do? You think it's so easy. You think they want to be this way. You think they want to act this way. You want, think they want to act angry or not normal or not healthy or, or, or different. They don't. They have something deep inside that's plaguing them, that's haunting them, and that's why they're different. And perhaps that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu took this brick during the Churim Beis HaMikdash and said, you know what? If you're not able to understand the concept of Ima Anei even if things seem normal today, but that you have to always delve much deeper into what's going on behind the scenes, under the surface, then I'm not interested in holding on to this brick either. And with that, he took the brick and he threw it down to earth. Because that brick symbolizes the fact that we have to be sensitive to people, not just Asher Husham, but also understanding the differences. How many times did we size people up? I know myself, I've had friends that when I first met them, I didn't like them at all. I didn't understand them. I didn't think that they were, had any chain to them. I didn't want to be with them. And I misjudged them. And then with the passage of time and I got to know them a little better and I understand what they were going through more and I understand wh- what they were made out of and where they were coming from and, and the experiences that they had and the scarring that they... Suddenly you begin to appreciate who they are. Like, wow, this person is amazing. If I would have gone through what that person went through, I would like be, be, be lost. And you begin to see that the greatness of the person is precisely their scarring. Those things that were their challenges in life and that you're judging them by are actually their greatest badge of honor. That's what will make them strong in life. That's what makes them great. That's what brings their beauty out. But we're so quick to size people up and to speak Lashon Hara and have Sinas Chinam that we fail to understand the person in their totality to be Danis Kola Adam, this year we, we lost the greatest leader of our time. How can we not mention Chaim Kanievsky? Levrachan Tishabov. We, you know, in the, the Pasuk, when I was leaning Nafla Teres Roshenu, like that was the first thing that fell into my mind. That we lost our crown. The crown of our head has fallen the great leader that we have and that maybe we took for granted and we thought we would have forever and all of a sudden we got that report that he was nifter and like we were like, what? Reb Chaim was, uh, was an amazing manik b'Yisrael, his taira, the breadth of his knowledge and his tzitkos and his understanding of people, of human nature, 
There's a beautiful story, maybe I've told it here before, but there was a, a bacher that was in Shidochim, and he had a, a very, very bad scar on his face. And, and he would go out with a girl on a, on, a, on a date, and she would be very turned off by the scar, and she would say no to the shadchan, and it happened once, and it happened twice, and it happened ten times. And this boy was like, you know, as it was, he was literally physically scarred, and now he was getting emotionally scarred by the damage that was being done by the scarring. And he didn't know what to do. Like, what do I do now? Like, I should go out with a hundred more girls to be rejected? He went to the Sanhedrin Agadol. He went into 23 Rechov Rashbam. And he cried to Reb Chaim. And he said to Reb Chaim, this is my story. Here's my scar. And... I keep going out with girls and they don't want to marry me. And what should I do? So he said, the next girl that you go out with, tell her where you got the scar from. Reb Chaim did not know where he got the scar from. But he said, tell the girl, tell the story about how you got the scar to the next girl that you went out, that you go out with. He said, okay. So he goes out with the next girl and, you know, he sees that she's uncomfortable with him by his, by his looks. And, you know, she's fidgeting and he says, I want to tell you how I got this scar that you keep staring at. He says, there was a, I was walking through the streets in a rough part of town. I don't know exactly which city in Eretzisrael it was. And there was a, a young Beis Yaakov girl, maybe of high school age, and there were some Arabs that were starting up with her. And I knew that it was not going to end well if I just don't do anything. And I didn't really want to do anything because I knew that it would come at a high cost. But I started like calling those Arabs out. Like, and they started, I was attracting them in my direction. To, to basically be a decoy so that sh- she would be able to run away. And they stared at me and they started coming at me. And the girl had the ability to run away to safety, Baruch Hashem. And, and they came to me with a knife and a switchblade and they slashed my face. And that's how I, that's how I got this scar. And this girl started crying. And she said, that girl was me. That was me. And you saved my life. And they went out on another date and another date and another date until they finally got married. If we would have the ability to have Reb Chaim Kanievsky's intuition about where scarring comes from, we would be amazing people. Scarring isn't, isn't always so evident to people, but everybody walks around with scars. Some people from their childhood, some people from, from, 
financial situation that they had to go through, physical situations, sickness, family situations, a million different permutations of, of how scarring, but we all have it. And if we haven't, we want people to care about us and to see us with that and understand us through that prism, then we have to see that in other people as well. HaKadosh Baruch Hu throws down this brick and he's telling us that something has to change. We will never get out of this gullus if that brick doesn't go up to Shemaim again. We need HaKadosh Baruch Hu to see us in our full glory, in our full light, the Tiferes Israel. We're beautiful. The Mishnah says that we're all beautiful. The anius, the poverty that we're in in this gallus makes us unsightly sometimes. But we have glory within every single yid has so much beauty. HaKadosh Baruch wants always to see that beauty. And when, when he sees that beauty, then Mashiach will come because the Amir Kulam Sadikim. But it seems that before we can get to that level again, that Mashiach comes, we have to be misaking our own ability to care for one another, not just superficially, and not just see people as they are today. And Baruch Hashem, they look good, so I can, they're fair game. You know, they seem fine, they have a nice family, nice house, nice kids, so I could hate on them. I could speak Lashnar about them. I could be Makane them. I could undermine them. Do you know anything about them? Do you know anything about them? Do you know how hard they have to work to get to where they are? Do you know that they struggle every day living, being with all of the scarring that they have within? Do you care about that? We have to learn how to care about that. We have to learn to see people as being fragile. Everybody is fragile. We can't take anything. I know people that are very successful in business and they, they seem like they're the kings of the world, that they're the masters of the universe, because they're so, but they're the weakest people I know. They have so many fragilities, they have so many vulnerabilities, they're so weak, and sometimes they're crying for pain, crying from the pain that they have, but nobody sees them as being any way sympathetic because, you know, they're so successful, but that's a big band-aid over what's really going on within people that are handsome, people that are strong, they're successful, they're wealthy, they're powerful, they're very good in learning, they're very good in ball playing, they're very good at life, but it's hiding a truth that they carry with them and a pain that they're feeling maybe at all times of the day. Don't be so judge, so quick to judge them. Just like we can't be judged so easily, we can't judge others. We have to see people as being so fragile. And, and not only that, when we understand their pain and when we understand what they have to go through, to understand that that's their beauty. The Dibna Magid once gave a beautiful muscle for this. He said that there was once a king that had a very big diamond, a very precious, like the Hope Diamond, a diamond that's worth 50, 100 million dollars, like the most perfect diamond. And one day it developed a little crack in the middle of the diamond, and he got very upset, the king. What am I supposed to do with this diamond now? Now it's cracked, now it's worthless. It took, went from $50 million to being zero. And there was, uh, in the cabinet, 
there was uh, a person who knew a very good jeweler. And he says, Your Royal Highness, if you don't mind, would you give it to me and I'll see what I could do with it? He says, what, you can fix a crack? He says, I don't know, maybe, let's see. He says, well, it's worthless. I have nothing to lose. Take it. And this jeweler that he brought it to had the brilliance of taking this crack and making it into a beautiful rose. He was able to take the crack and draw a beautiful rose from it in the ring. And they brought it back to the king, and the king fell in love with this diamond. He says, wow, this is the most beautiful diamond that I've ever seen. And the Dibna Magid says that that's how we all are. We're, we have cracks in us. We're not perfect people. Nobody ever in the history of the world was perfect. And some of our cracks are evident. Sometimes they're not so evident. Sometimes the cracks are averus. Sometimes the cracks are, are insecurities. Sometimes the cracks are, are anger or, or other ways of acting out. But sometimes a person can take that deficiency and that deformity and that insecurity and somehow make it into their perfection, into their flower, into their rose. And I see that all the time. You see people from very difficult upbringings and they're amazing. And despite, or maybe because of whatever they went through, they were determined to be stronger than ever and better than ever and more loving than ever and more, and more, more able to, to, to comfort others and to befriend others and to care about others precisely because they had that crack in them. We have to see people on a totally different way in order for the base of Mikdash to be rebuilt, in order to get rid of the sinaschinam inside of us, we can only do one thing, and that's looking at people in their totality, looking at their weaknesses, looking at their strengths, and trying to understand them to the degree that we can, and being able to build them up again, just like we want to be built up ourselves. It's very hard to do that. There are certain rabbeim in Klai Yisrael who had that ability to do it. The Altaf in Sabotka was, was able to take every Talmud, and he had hundreds of them, maybe thousands, and look at each one and immediately size up exactly what they needed. And he saw that sometimes if a person you know, was arrogant, he needed to be brought down a notch or two in order to fix his problem. Sometimes when a person had little self-esteem, he had to bring them up. And every single Bachar he treated with exactly the tool that was necessary to treat that bacher of Hutner, who was a Talmud of the altar, had the same exact brilliance to be able to sit and work on every single bacher and develop them into their greatest beings that they could be. Unfortunately, we don't have Rabbeim like that too much anymore, and we don't have people that have the time or the patience, and with technology, our, our attention span for anything has shrunk into about three seconds maybe. We don't have the time to really understand other people and to, to see them in their faulty Ferris Israel. But this is what we have to try to do. Whether it's a sibling, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent, whether it's a child, whether it's a friend, a chavrusa, a neighbor, uh, anyone, uh, uh, anyone that we, that we meet, Jewish, non-Jewish, we have to try to understand where they're coming from. What, let me know a little bit about your background. What did you grow up in? What kind of home did you grow up in? What was your, what was your challenges? Wherever, was everybody nice to you? Were they not nice to you? Let me know. I want to hear. 
And then once I know more about you, now I could treat you accordingly. And I could have that brick. I can have my own Livnas Hasapra for you. I could say, even now, even when you look okay, but I see that there's something that needs to be tended to, I'm here for you then too. When we're able to do that, then HaKadosh Baruch will once again retrieve the, his, his, his Livnas Hasapir. And when he's able to bring back his Livnas Hasapir and put it as his, as his Hadaim Raglov, as his footstool once again, on which he rests, on which the entire world revolves, then we'll be able to once again build the Beis HaMikdash brick by brick, to be able to understand one another better, to be able to have an Abbas Chinam, to love people in spite of the differences, or maybe precisely because of the differences that exist between us, to better care about our, our fellow Yid, to better understand them, to better embrace them, to build them. Even if things seem okay, we still have to always be there for our friends, understand them better. And amidst Hashem, then we will be Zaycha to the Binyan Bayashlishi, Bimheir Bi Amenu, Amen Ba Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.